For the countless numbers of people involved in making golf the best experience it can be, I'm at the event of the year in Phoenix. It's the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America show. There are hundreds of exhibitors and thousands of attendees from throughout the U.S. and internationally. They're learning more about new technology, sustainability, nutrition, and so much more. Coming up, we'll speak with some of the key players, including Rhett Evans, CEO of the organization putting on this great event. Our members, they're on the front front line, um, and you know they certainly know that without the golf course, there is no business or, or game of golf. And so, you know, it, it begins with them. And so the pressure to be able to be more sustainable, the pressure to manage cost and, and certainly meet expectations of golfers is extremely high. We'll hear more from Rhett and several other people here in Arizona next. Welcome to Redox Grows, an in-depth look at key issues affecting agriculture and the people that make it all happen. I'm Jim Morris with Redox Bio Nutrients. We're headquartered in Burley, Idaho. I'm currently in Phoenix, Arizona with our Redox Turf RX team. We're immersed in an important part of what our company does, providing outstanding nutrition for turf. I love success stories, and I've been waiting since day one at Redox to visit with Dean Pillar. Dean, thanks for your time. My pleasure, Jim. Dean is course superintendent of the privately owned Cordova Bay Golf Course in beautiful Victoria, British Columbia, and he's had that position for more than 30 years. It's a lovely area, but I imagine the weather is not fully cooperative. What weather and soil conditions are you dealing with there? Well, probably the biggest challenge with the weather there, Jim, is we go through six months of fairly dry weather in the summertime. Not uncommon to have 90 days without rain in June, July, August, and into September. And then once the rain starts sometime in October, it can rain for six months. So we deal with saturated soils in the winter and hydrophobic conditions in the summer. How do you combat that? How does redox fit into the equation? It took me 22 years before I found redox. Uh, so I had struggled with uh, challenges from day one. I started with a very simple program with Redox using their fairway product, which is a really great soluble carbon source. And I added some Penacal, some calcium and a penetrant, and that really helped uh, reduce the amount of heat stress. The soil started to work better for me. We cut back on the nitrogen so there's much less clipping. So the whole system became easier to maintain. The expenses, how have they changed for you in terms of the labor, all the other factors that you deal with since you've been on Redox for about 12 years now? Well, we're fully committed to redox in all of our fertility programs, and there's an expense to that, but our savings on so many areas, even just the amount we uh, mow, so we save on manpower, we save on fuel, our equipment lasts longer because we're not putting the hours on the odometer. So it's just all, all around, let's put it this way, I'll invest a dollar to save $2. Your NPK efficiency, how has that changed? Well, we've cut our nitrogen uh, levels in half, so we'd be around two pounds per a year, and we are a 12-month facility. We are feeding the turf for at least 10 months of the 12 months, and our potassium has been cut down by 90%, and we've got the healthiest turf we've ever had. The biggest thing is is that, and I'll, I'll use the term ionic nutrition, that's the way it was explained to me, and, and there's if your plant needs phosphorus or if your plant needs potassium, it's in an ionic form. You put down a small amount and that amount is getting into the plant and that's why it works and that's why our inputs have been dramatically uh, decreased in every area. You also have about 80,000 rounds a year, so your course is under a lot of pressure, right? 
If there's anything good about COVID, it was good for the game of golf. Uh, our rounds, we've had three years at over 75,000 rounds. There are some challenges managing that much traffic, but at the end of the day, I'm finding that the turf is just strong and it's just resilient to everything from abiotic stress with heat and cold temperatures to the traffic that uh, our maintenance practices and the golfing public put on our facility. If we do our job right, we're supposed to make the superintendent's life a lot easier. Is this the case? Absolutely, in in every way, shape, and form. Uh, there's no surprises anymore. I haven't lost grass. I don't remember the last time that we've lost grass. So it's just uh, there's less uh, dips and peaks and valleys. There's just more of a steady wave rolling in, and it's a joy to be at the golf course every day. One of the subjects that came up today was homeostasis, keeping your plant charge balance appropriate. How, what did that mean to you? How impactful is that? Well, it was very impactful because I've followed the Redox story for 13 years since I got uh, started to use the product and started to experiment with different uh, mixes and whatnot. And I never had a way to describe what, w- what I was seeing, but now it makes sense to me. The plant was in balance. Uh, everything was firing on all cylinders. There was less stresses on the plant. So, yeah, it all makes sense to me. What are your thoughts about how your nutrition program helps in sustainability? Well, sustainability to me is managing a facility in a very sustainable way. When we're able to reduce inputs, reduce labor, reduce fuel, reduce uh, expenses with equipment and, and everything else, you know, that to me is a sustainable environment where a golf course can run, have a profit. I've always said as a superintendent, I want to leave the golf course in better condition than I found it. And it wasn't always that way for the first 15 to 20 years that I was there. The golf course was aging, thatch was developing, there was issues starting to show up. And now I'd say we reversed that, we reversed the aging process. The golf course has become young or younger again, and it's become easier to care for. What would your advice be to a superintendent of another course who is interested and may want to start with a product or two? If I use my, myself as an example, we started with Fairway and uh, Pinnacal. Uh, it provides you the P, the K, the soluble carbon, and the calcium that you need. And then you can you can start to add, if necessary, from there. I listened to another presenter today, and those were basically the exact same program that he was using, and he's been extremely happy with it. So I would say those two products. You've been at this for over 30 years. It is a stressful job. How much joy are you getting from this job? I've said to all my staff, I haven't worked a day in 33 years. There's There's some stressful days, But it's a pleasure to go to work, and I consider it fun every day that I go out there. Thank you so much, Dean, for your time and also talking about this paradigm shift that we're seeing in nutrition for agriculture and turf. Thank you very much, Jim. It was my pleasure. I think I found the person who has traveled the longest distance to get to this show, Maury Ogata of Axion. So good to see you. Good to see you, Jim. What brings you here? You traveled over 6,000 miles. What do you like about the GCSAA show? It's an opportunity for me to uh, get uh, reacquainted with the uh, suppliers that we have in the United States. And uh, Redox is uh, the main one. Uh, So it's uh, really nice to uh, visit their booth and uh, uh, other suppliers. We have been... uh, uh, importing uh, several uh, uh, fertilizers and uh, surfactants for the, over the last 20, over 20 years. So the relationship has been very, uh, it's good. So every year I come to uh, uh, GIS. How important is it to have these face-to-face discussions? We talk to each other quite a bit on the phone, of course. Uh, 
And uh, we've done some Zoom uh, meetings, but you know, seeing together, breaking uh, bread together, I mean, that makes sense. And also, uh, this is a great opportunity for me to bring uh, uh, some of our uh, uh, clients, uh, including the uh, distributors. We have sub distributors in Japan, throughout Japan. And uh, this time we have uh, uh, three distributors with us, two of whom has never been in the United States. So <laughs> it's a very exciting time and gave us the opportunity to play golf a couple of rounds with them. So it's a way to solidify the relationship. There are a lot of different companies here. When you look at Redox Turf Technology and the aspect of biostimulants, how impressive is that? How helpful is it for the work that you do in Japan? In Japan, I have had uh, some products with the biostimulant uh, for 25 years. And so I'm really happy that the biostimulant is, is recognized as a useful uh, ingredient. And we could uh, advertise it um, openly a lot more. And uh, we have, by the way, joined the Japan uh, Biostimulant uh, Association with a full membership. I think the uh, interest in the biostimulants and uh, uh, I think uh, maybe uh, broadcasting the benefit and at the same time uh, selling our products by use of our uh, expertise on the biostimulant uh, nutrients. That's what we intend to do. We're very excited about that opportunity. When you look at the state of the industry in Japan, how would you categorize it? Japan uh, has had the um, declining conditions for, long, for some time, but uh, uh, the COVID period made people realize uh, golf is probably the best way to uh, go out, avoiding the COVID spreading. And so the, uh, today, I think Japan's golf industry is uh, enjoying kind of second boom after about 50 years. And uh, I, I would say the number of golf courses has gone down over the years from 2,500 to 2,200. Uh, but those who stayed on are making good money. How important is sustainability in Japan in the work that you do? Not enough from my standpoint. Uh, they still use a lot of chemical fertilizers. They use lots of uh, fungicide, uh, insecticides. Overall, the interest is there, but when it comes to paying for it, I think it's kind of slow. We are trying to help uh, them uh, cut the cost of uh, spray, uh, spraying things. Uh, one of uh, our way is to try to uh, em emphasize the importance of uh, drone technology. We have uh, had only two uh, golf courses that uh, allowed us to uh, spray with the drone, uh, for more for the uh, trial, and uh, they're happy with the result. And I think uh, the drone is gonna be the uh, way of spraying in, in Japan in the future. What does it offer that conventional approaches do not have? It's like uh, airplane spraying in a smaller scale. And uh, by reducing the, uh, each droplet of uh, fertilizers in the water, uh, you increase substantially the effectiveness of fertilizer. 
four-year application in extreme. So you could uh, use less fertilizers for the same result. Also, uh, a drone cuts down on the uh, use of energy compared to the big sprayers or the tractors. We think uh, by pushing the uh, uh, drone application, uh, we are contributing in a small way to the uh, environmental uh, benefit. Drones have had a big impact in agriculture. It sounds like this is another expanding area. Thanks for your time, Maury. Thank you very much, Jim. Good to see you. Frank Labradera, I'd like to know more about what brings Audubon International to this industry show. Thanks, Jim. Uh, Audubon International uh, attends this show every year to have contact with our members. We have about 2,000 golf course members in 34 countries around the world, and believe it or not, a lot of them come to this show uh, and interface with us. We're a non-for-profit organization that provides third-party certification for environmental sustainability uh, for golf courses. The golf courses follow uh, our guidelines and principles, and we uh, certify them as sustainable. We have two programs. Our uh, Audubon Cooperative Sanctuary Program is designed for existing golf courses, and it's doable from that sense. There are six certification components that they go through. Uh, they submit the paperwork to us, and then we go out uh, and do a what we call a, a certification site visit. Then we have a more advanced program called our Signature Program. Uh, that's for golf courses that are being planned, designed, and constructed or existing golf courses that are going through significant renovations. There, the standards and guidelines are a little bit higher, but also achievable because it's in the process of, of construction work. How would you say the popularity of all of this is going? I think it's going very well. I think it's, it's been well documented in the last 20 to 25 years. Uh, the golf industry really has embraced environmental sustainability. And, and, and I say this all the time, whether they're actually a member of our program or not, just about every golf course superintendent is a steward of the environment and wants to do the right thing. Uh, so I, th- I think the industry's come a long way in terms of minimization of managed turf and reduction of inputs uh, on the golf course. So the industry's in good shape. We often hear this term win-win. Is this the case here where the environment wins and it is a benefit to the courses as well? Oh, absolutely. The backbone of our program is minimization of managed turf because as you, as you uh, reduce the managed turf on your golf course, all your inputs go down. Uh, so that's a win for the environment and it's a win for your budget. We survey our members from time to time and members that go through uh, you know, pretty extensive uh, reduction in managed turf, their maintenance budgets go down 8, 9, 10, 12%. So on a million dollar maintenance budget, that's, that's some pretty serious money that can be utilized elsewhere on the course. How can people find out more? Very easy, our website, www.auduboninternational.org, uh, or feel free to give, uh, send me an email, very simple, frank at auduboninternational.org. Thanks, Frank. Great, thanks, Jim. I'm now visiting with Scott Delina, Director of Golf Course Maintenance at Champions Turf Club in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Tell me about your experience in getting the best you can from your turf and how that's changed recently. Well, once I started using Redox, it changed the dynamics of my soil greatly. I had poor infiltration prior to using Redox and it's greatly helped me in my spray program, not only just in my greens, but I was able to take my greens program and actually expand it further on into some troubled areas, some tea boxes that I was having trouble with, and really just get more bang for my buck in general. 
What type of weather have you had recently? I understand it's been a little volatile. It has. We're really having a tough El Nino year this year. We have a lot of overcast, cloudy days, highs maybe in the 50s. I joke frequently and say it's like living in the Carolinas because I spent a lot of time in the Carolinas and it's similar weather that they have there. So with it, having an ultra dwarf Bermuda, it's tough to grow grass when you don't have a lot of sunlight. And it's been a difficult year for everyone down south. How much less stressful is it when you have the nutrition part correct? A lot of people are having trouble. I unfortunately could sleep well at night knowing that I don't. I have 100% coverage on all my greens. We haven't lost any grass, even the fact that we've had such poor light conditions and weather conditions. It's really uh, been a game changer. I have not applied any nitrogen probably in about four and a half months, and I really don't see a need to. In that type of a weather, you're, you guys that are spraying high end and some of their tank mixes, it ends up being a catch-22. You're feeding disease pressure in those low light, wet, moist conditions, and uh, using what I'm using now, uh, I don't have that those issues. And I'm using a lot less fungicide uh, than I have in prior El Nino years. That's a definite change right there. What's the one product that you really feel is your go-to product? Uh, with my situation, it would be the CA, the Pentacal, and the C85 right from the get-go. And then I, after spraying that for a few months during the summer, I incorporated the uh, RX Micro, the RX Fairway, and the Supreme. What's the state of play? Uh, I've been hearing from other superintendents that generally the attendance, the number of rounds has increased, especially since COVID. What are you seeing? It's definitely helped the golf business. We're doing about close to 50,000 rounds a year. We're very busy. Before I took that course over about eight, nine months ago, the play was probably half of that because they did have some trouble, you know, being, being consistent with uh, with the turf just for the golfers and golfers are very finicky word gets out very very quickly uh and your reputation could be lost very quickly if you have a bad season and you have and you know your greens are having trouble that gets around very fast so it's 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 nice that we've changed the dynamic there we're actually 11 11 higher per round than anyone else in the county right now and uh we're pretty proud of that i appreciate your time scott no you're welcome jim always a pleasure Rhett Evans is only the eighth CEO since the GCSAA was founded back in 1926, and he served at his job since 2011. He joins me remotely. And Rhett, we visited back in Phoenix, but you needed track shoes because of that incredible schedule you had. What are your thoughts about this year's show? Oh, Jim, we're so excited, um, you know, to be back here in, in GCSA headquarters in Kansas. The team's really pumped up. It really sets the stage for the, the rest of the year and, and coming off of Phoenix. I think, uh, you know, our members are in, in, uh, in a good place and the, the industry is in a good place. And so it was uh, great to be all there together and create that synergy. So what kind of representation was there? Several thousand people from all over the U.S. I also visited with people from the Middle East, England, Asia as starters. What are some of the things that you observed about the attendance and where people came from? Yeah, you know, it was uh, really good to see the numbers um, that we saw. I think Phoenix uh, rivaled what we typically do in Orlando, which is our high water mark. All 50 states were represented. In fact, 13 attendees from Alaska and 49 attendees from 
Hawaii, so uh, we had it had it well represented. And then when we get into the just the global reach that our that our uh, golf industry show or the the conference and show has, we had over 66 different countries, including 18 attendees from China and one attendee from Russia and 89 attendees from South Korea. So they were spread across the globe and and all converged there to to learn you know, the best practices and, and what they can do to make their facilities better back at their respective countries and, and uh, states. What are some of the takeaways that you've heard on some of the key issues that are on the minds of superintendents and others in the industry? You know, when we look at the game itself right now, it's never been stronger, right? 26.6 million people playing the game coming off of COVID. The rounds are up. The diversity and, and who's playing the game is is at an all-time high in terms of its its diversity. Yet, you know, our members, they're on the front, front line. Um, and, you know, they certainly know that without the golf course, there is no business or or game of golf and so you know it it begins with them and so the pressure to be able to be more sustainable the pressure to manage cost and and certainly meet expectations of golfers is extremely high and uh, you know that was the focus of the show when we look at you know what we did with the uh, sustainability showcase out front of the convention center that really demonstrated some of the best uh, practices and and techniques and, and technologies that are out there uh, I, I think our members really appreciate uh, being able to see that innovation and, and pick up on ideas that they can take back, you know, to help them sustain the game and, and to make, uh, and, uh, you know, better playing conditions. The resources that were available at this conference, your comments on that. You just look at the, the square footage of, of the show itself. 352,000 square feet of exhibit space at the Phoenix Convention Center, which was basically sold out with over 470 um, exhibits. We have the best of the best. We have, you know, everything for the most part that is offered in terms of tools and services um, to our members. And so they were able to consume that during the two days worth of the trade show and and Jim in that you know in there are you know some very uh, proactive uh, resources and, and and tools that are at their disposal the one thing that um, sometimes gets lost uh, with the conference and show is the actual conference component of it we had over 6,000 close to 7,000 seminar seats that were filled and so that education um, really is the cornerstone of our association it's a cornerstone of our members and so while there's tools and resources they've got to know how to use them Um, and so that education is paramount and so proud of our members the fact that when they come to these conferences and show you know they they really find themselves in a classroom um, learning and doing all that they can to be better superintendents assistants and equipment managers and and taking that knowledge back to help their members and their their facility. So it's, it's pretty pr- pretty fun to watch um, and, and to see. Always challenges in any industry. How optimistic are you for this year? I think the bar has been raised high coming off of the show. The, the momentum, the synergy um, around the business uh, really has never been, been better. Um, I do think uh, we certainly have some headwinds, you know, dealing with the increased pressure of, of decreasing uh, resources, whether it's water challenges or, or just increased regulations and, and how we've got to balance 
things from a sustainability perspective. Um, but our members are, are set and, and they're ready to re ready to tackle the challenge. They've been doing it for, for many years. When we look at the progress that we've made, we've decreased water use by 29%. We've been able to do some things, you know, on the cutting edge with BMPs. Those are now implemented in all 50 states. And I think our members are, are charged up this year uh, to go forward and, and adopt their facility BMPs. And that's going to be a, the focus to get those established. You mentioned sustainability, and there's a lot of different factors for that, and uh, it's a win-win, of course, when that can happen. Nutrition for the turf also an important part of that? Oh, absolutely. When it comes to just the, the maintenance of the golf course and, and dealing with, you know, the soils and, and you know, and how those react and, and then ultimately how the plant reacts to the soil, you know, all of that was being tested and, and um, looked at at the show. We had interactive facility tours where they can physically go out and see these demonstrations and, and see the plant in action, if you will. So uh, what a great way to be hands-on and interactive in, in that space. Really appreciate your time, Rhett, and we're looking forward to seeing you in San Diego next year. Can't wait. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate you. That will wrap up this episode. Thank you to all of our interviewees. If you'd like to know more, we have a full listing of our Turf RX product line and background information at redoxturf.com. And in the near future, we'll have more people involved in golf and turf talking about this exciting time here at Redox. You can also email us with any comments, questions, or story ideas at podcast at redoxgrows.com. Thanks for listening.